The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, it's Thursday. That means it is our day. It's time for Broadcasting the Boys right here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, along with Roy White on Twitter at RW3. I am Ari Temkin on Twitter at Ari Sports. And Roy, we have a lot to get to today, so I'm not going to waste anybody's time with pleasantries and welcomes and any other, any other, you know, just nuance or I'm not going to waste time. No, there's no time to be wasted today. So I'm going to do it. And so we are now closing in on basically a month until training camp. We are, I mean, we are just, what's the countdown at until D-Day? We're just a few weeks away from D-Day. Day, hey, of course. We are almost into July. Uh, we are now just three shows away. Wow. Three is the magical number. And but by the way, Dak, Dak Day is still in, uh, in play. Some might suggest on social media that Dak Day ended earlier this week oh, when no. Dak Prescott officially signed his franchise tender for $31.4 million. That was not the end of Dak Day. That was the beginning. <laughs> it was just the middle. It was just a just a part of Dak Dak Day. That was the beginning. So, but but I mean, we we've got to get to a lot of things happening. Things are happening. Things are moving. But we start today with as we always do here on broadcasting the boys with the most important, impactful story, the biggest story. That's what we do here on broadcast the boys. We cover the biggest story in the Cowboys ether. No fluff. No fluff. And so today we start with the biggest story, and that is what I've seen described multiple times as a hilarious bear encounter by a member of the Dallas Cowboys. And I have to say, hilarious for you. Right. I have to say, there's no such thing as a hilarious bear encounter. There are only just bear encounters, which are never hilarious unless we're talking about the movie The Great Outdoors, in which there was a hilarious bear encounter. Don't know the reference. Sorry to say. I we're believe like the that same, we're the same age. How how have you not seen that classic classic John Candy movie? But I digress. Uh, I don't know the John Candy catalog probably like I should. That's one of them that got away from me. I have to admit. So, Haha Clinton Dix at his home in I guess Seminole County, Florida, which is Central Florida, not too far from Orlando where he grew up. There's there's video of him on a scooter 
and you can see on the other end of these this BMW that there are two bears, well, one bear and it's bear the bear cub. And he pulls up, rides the scooter, and like he can see them, they see him, and basically jumps off the scooter and runs one way. The two bears run the exact opposite direction. So they were both scared of each other. Yeah, it sure didn't seem like, though, that either saw each other until the last minute because the bears were creeping up on the passenger taillight side of the vehicle, and Haha was coming on the driver's side from the front. And so they really had no way to see each other when Haha came around the corner and he's driving his scooter. The scooter kept driving into the bears. And I have to say impressive footwork from my man haha to maintain balance change direction and immediately full speed in the opposite direction that is the type of movement that i want to see from my team's new free safety yes like jeff heath jeff heath ain't getting away from a bear like that no okay tell jeff the fr- tell your friends <laughs> jeff heath is getting off the scooter then falling into the car <laughs> yeah now jeff might be catching that cub he might get his hands on that cub. <laughs> but, he, but he is not displaying the footwork. Um, you're 100% right, though. The bear was just as scared of the encounter. And uh, they ran away in the opposite direction, away from the scooter, which I assume was slightly damaged. Um, could have been worse on all fronts. So that is what, I guess, ultimately allows it to be hilarious. All's well that ends well. Right. Because... I mean, to steal a line from Anchorman, it's a live bear. will literally rip your face off. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. I actually fully expect to see this in the next year or two in one of those youth high school athlete training videos. Guy pops out behind a car with a bear costume. Let's see how quickly you can change direction, put your foot in the ground, and go. Bear, bear costumes, though, not as scary as bears. I think Jameis Winston's trainer's already working on the drill. <laughs> so have you ever had a, a close encounter with a wild animal like that? Oh, yeah. Many, many a time uh, with bears. You're acting like your like bear grills over here. Like, oh, please, I haven't. Uh, there's nary a winter that I haven't encountered a bear. That's a pretty common summer occurrence uh, for a long time during my childhood up in Montana. Uh, we would go to a guest ranch up there in the summer that my family had a loose, distant connection to. And um, through the course of horseback riding through the mountains, you would ultimately have a bear encounter at some point where you might see him off in the distance. Where the close encounters took place, though, was when the trash would pile up and be left on the edge of the ranch. And that is where if a bear caught a whiff of a smell on a hot summer day and climbed down out of the mountain, you might see him as you turn the corner to go to the bathroom at 9.30 at night when there's absolutely no light anywhere except for a few artificial lamps. So I say that to say I could not do what Ha Ha Clinton Dix did um, in terms of speed, but I have had a bear encounter, and and they were fun. Um, that I live to tell about them. Fun in what way? That, that I live to tell about them. And uh, the bears can do funny things. You know, I remember seeing one mm. climb up a tree and then rest on a branch 
and just kind of chill. And I thought, oh, he's surveying the land. He sat up there for two hours. He was sleeping. Bears, they got a great sense of humor, bears. Funnier than you think. They also aren't very aggressive unless they feel threatened. Like I think of like the of the great animals, you know, that, that could literally kill you. Um, the bears are probably the least frightening in terms of like wanting to kill you. But they run fast. They can run unbelievably fast. They climb trees. Like they are they are true badasses. I mean they could literally catch salmon with their bare hands. No doubt about any of the things that you said. But their inability to determine live from dead, if all you do is lay there lifeless, I, I take them down a notch in the predator land because they don't have that killer instinct. So, haha, Clinton Dix, all you had to do is basically play dead is what you're trying to say, and then the, the bears would have just gone about their business? Well, he could have. That's what they tell you, right? Um, you play dead with a bear. You know, it's not like the Revenant, okay? He doesn't just thrash at you as he did with Leonardo DiCaprio over and over and over. You know, they let you go after a while. I've only seen The Great Outdoors. I, I don't know what you're talking about. See, we're two ships crossing in the night, my friend. <laughs> so what animal would you like to see a member of the Dallas Cowboys fight? Oh. Or, or maybe better question. Who would beat a bear in hand-to-hand combat on the, on, the, on the Cowboys? Well, I mean, the bear himself would have been, you know, the teddy bear of the offensive line was Travis Frederick. Right. Unfortunately, uh, RIP, Travis is no longer with us. Well, he's alive. He's just not on the Cowboys. Yeah, with the Dallas Cowboys, with us, of course. <laughs> Tyrant but, Zach, but Zach Martin has to be considered amongst the best NFL candidates of today's age. You know, not of all time. You know, he's not Larry Allen on the bear scale. But Zach Martin is a formidable opponent, you know, against a bear in terms of a tie-up. You know, what about, about Tyrod Smith? He gets, if he gets his paws on you, what, <laughs> what kind of damage can he do? What about Tyrod Smith? Or is it he's just got bad knees, so he's in trouble there? All the bear has to do is just whack at his knees and it's over with? Well, Tyron has a... You know, the experience factor. Tyron's been in a few more fights than probably most bears. Um, but I do think, I do think. He also has uh, bigger, little known fact, he has bigger hands than many bears. Paws. Bigger yeah, paws. That's true. That's um, a but fact. I, I do think. Uh, Don't look it up. It's just a fact. I do think his agility might be a bit of a downgrade there in that department. I'd rather have Zach Martin's strength than Tyron's agility. How about Lyle Collins? I feel like he'd be very underrated in this capacity. Like Lyle could, Lyle could, he could run a bear. He could run through a bear. Well, you know, I was actually thinking on the other side of the ball, could Demarcus Lawrence get un, get up and under against a bear to get around and sack the quarterback? Or would he go um, spin move on him? Could he hit? Yeah, could he hit him with a swim or or a spin? And get around the bear. And I think, yes. And then, of course, you know, we have a guy on the team that literally hunts wolves. So his nickname is the Wolf Hunter. Yes. How will Leighton Vanderesh do against a bear? But does – I just – just 
just for accuracy, you know we strive for accuracy here on Broadcast the Boys. Does he actually hunt for wolves, or is that just a nickname bestowed upon him? Because it's an important distinction. Well, I, I believe he's done it recreationally. His father... Um, a licensed they, wolf hunter? Well, no, his father uh, takes trips. He hosts trips. Um, I'm not quite sure of the right verbiage. He's a guide, and he does hunting guides in Alaska throughout the winter. It's like his second job or second hobby. Oh, and wow. he's obviously taken Leighton many, many times. And Leighton has spoken about literally hunting wolves. And if they go to Alaska, you'd think they'd be bear hunting too at some point, right? Or bear encountering. Yeah, I don't know how endangered they are up there. So I don't know how you know they're being hunted versus being Encounter. tracked potentially or um, <laughs> preserved. So maybe yeah. they're a little bit more tight-lipped about that. People yeah. are okay with you killing a wolf. Um, <laughs> there's plenty of those. Roy White, Ari Tepkin, this is Broadcast of the Boys right here on the Blogging the Boys podcasting network. We, we have an official date, apparently, according to, I believe it was Ian Rappaport reporting that Yay! Um, training camp will start uh, on July 28th. Wait, wait which, a second. Is that... Is that new? Or is Not that just exactly. Some, is that just something that perhaps was repackaged? Um, right. But as in, like this so is long. normally when training camp starts. Yeah, but go. it's been so long since we've discussed it that I might as well throw it out there as a breaking news story. I mean, I suppose that is breaking in today's day and age of COVID <laughs> and the uncertainty of it all, but. Yeah, it seems like July 28th was the original training camp date back since March. <laughs> so it's not really breaking news so much as it is breaking news because I looked at the calendar today when I saw that and was like, that's almost, that's like a month away. Doesn't it? It's weird. We haven't had sports in so long. Like, it has been... Speak for yourself, brother. I got Bundesliga soccer for about a month and a half. So we have had Bundesliga soccer for about a month and a half. But beyond that, we haven't had sports in months. And I always feel like this part of the summer is the, the part of the summer that lags the most. And yet it seems like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it just feels like football season is really, really close. A lot closer than I expected it to be, considering we've been basically four months without sports. Uh, that's a fair point. Amazingly enough, we've found a way to get through the last several months without sports to distract us. Um, I know, I'm shocked too. Well, you could say thankfully we've had many other things to distract us, but I don't think those things would be anything people would be discussing as being thankful for. So let's just say You're talking about Zeke Elliott been... coming down with COVID. You're yeah. About yeah. Dak yeah. Prescott's contract. Yeah. All the things that everybody is talking about. Uh, yeah. Let's just say those distractions, Jamal perhaps, Adams, those distractions have been a little bit um, bigger to take our mind off of the fact that we haven't had sports this entire time. So July 28th, start of training camp. Obviously, we know that the Cowboys will, will be training in Frisco in the Dallas area and not in, obviously, in Oxnard, California. Um, we also know that we are 
a few weeks away now from D-Day, which is the official day that the Cowboys can no longer negotiate a long-term contract with Dak Prescott. We are three shows. This is After the show, we'll have two shows to do until that July 15th D-Day deadline that we've been circling on our calendar. And, and some people have hypothesized that there is no more D-Day because he signed his franchise tender. But that couldn't be further from the truth, Roy. What do you think then is the motivation or the strategy behind him signing it now versus signing it on July 15th at the last possible moment to let the Cowboys know that he was unhappy with being tagged in the first place? Like, what do you think, if there's a message to be had, and maybe you think there's no message to be had, but if there is something there, what do you think it is with him signing it now versus waiting? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a great question because it it can't be nothing because it's completely random. Like it just can't be and, nothing. He just he just up and decided, you know, on, on Monday I'm just going to sign it after all these all this time of not signing it. Like, oh, just suddenly I'm going to sign it. So it can't be nothing, right? I don't think it can be nothing. But we may also never know the something that it could be. I, I, so I mean, we are I, left I, I, to our own devices. I, I think I think based on the uncertainty of the 2020 season and therefore the uncertainty of the 2021 salary cap, like, I think normally you get closer to these deadlines and leverage probably goes more to Dak's side because the Cowboys need a quarterback and blah, 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 blah. So I think like in tradi- traditionally, the leverage would be sliding to Dak's side because the Cowboys need to get the deal done to get him in camp. I, I don't know that that ever happened because like, I think the Cowboys are more unwilling now to do a long-term deal than they've ever been so much because of the uncertainty of 2021. So it's like if Dak thought and Dak's people thought eventually he's going to, they're going to slide to our side and they're going to, they're going to be willing to give in more. They probably felt at some point like, you know, last week, okay, that's just not going to happen. The, the Cowboys are unwilling to meet us in any capacity whatsoever because there's a lot of uncertainty in the 2021 cap. So you're there with me that there's nothing that's bridging the gap between these two sides prior to July 15th. Yes. Nothing. Yeah. And, okay. and that hasn't, I mean, I think for both of us, it's been pretty consistent really throughout this countdown for D day. Um, and again, I just came to the realization of the thought that, you know, the Cowboys are probably more unwilling now than ever before to do a long-term deal simply because of the uncertainty of 2021. The uncertainty, you know, somewhat of, of 2020 and how it's right, been discussed. Right, yeah. Right. Um, I think that all is absolutely there. And yet at the same time, I still feel very strongly that Patrick Mahomes is going to get his money, whether the cap fluctuates massively or not. And if he does, then that's what the market will be. You're not going to have to pay Dak Patrick Mahomes money, but you're going to have to come close. What do you What do you think he'll get on an annual basis? I still, I still believe it'll be close to forty, if not forty. That nice round number sounds really good to the the player who seems to be the next generation's great quarterback. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see, too, because we've, we've talked about this, like the cap, even though it could either stagnate or even perhaps go down in 2021 because of the revenue in 2020, like it's going to go up and we go up pretty substantially once that new TV money is infused. So it's like if Mahomes signs a deal, let's say $40 million, uh, $40 million a year average 
over four or five years, like when the salary cap doubles over the next five years, that is going to be so cheap. Considering some quarterbacks who they hit the market at that time will get 60 to 70 million. Again, if the cap doubles, it's, it's outrageous to think that they will. No. And I mean, nothing is held back when it comes to how you should think about this next round of negotiations of TV negotiations for the NFL, because there are so many more power players in the streaming world that want their specific product to be bought and sold by you, the consumer. Okay. And if they can figure out a way to partner up with the NFL or they can bring the boatload of money that it's going to take, then they can have it and they can have that power and wield it. What would a contract from Amazon look like if they knew that everybody in America that's a football fan had to sign up for Amazon Prime? Well, and that's, I mean, that's the biggest question when, when the NFL goes to market with its new, you know, with its new TV yeah. deal is. So continue to think further forward than just 2020, 2021. That's what Dak's thinking. And rightfully so, but the Cowboys are going to leverage the now yeah. that they can. Yeah. I understand that from a business aspect, but it means that as we've said before, these are two pillars in the sand that have stayed in the same position that they're in and are miles apart. Yeah. So we should probably, we probably won't hear any news between now and the time of the deadline. And then after the fact, there'll be no news, only tons of reporting that will really mean nothing in the grand scheme of things and just be a whole boatload of nothing, which is what we've seen really the last four or five weeks, four or five months on the deck front, basically. But Hallelujah. We'll have more of that uh, throughout the entire season. It'll be a lot more jockeying from both sides throughout, even after the deadline. I'm so excited. Oh, for cannot wait. So excited. So is CD lamb trying to thirst trap us all <laughs> when it comes to what he's doing on social media? <laughs> I don't know if this came across your Twitter timeline. And I guess um, I've been alerted to the fact that he put it on Instagram first. Ah. which makes me think the answer to my question is yes. Yes. Cause Instagram, Twitter is not where you thirst trap. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you don't put a filter on Twitter, <laughs> but you filter on Instagram. And while I'm not technically savvy enough to be able to tell you which filter he was using just based on the photo, I can tell you that it is filtered and it is glorious. And I just got to say, Thanks for what you do, CD. I appreciate it. And yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if CD Lab is thirst trapping us, but if he does, if he is, I'm into it. I'm in, I'm uh, I'm I'm in. I'm buying. Yeah. I also, you know, how I know CD Lab is working really hard throughout this off season. He needs to release a calendar. <laughs> CD Lab thirst trapping. I'm telling you. Without a shirt halfway and a Cowboys there. helmet in his backyard. He, he's halfway there over the last two weeks. <laughs> you know, how I know CD Lab is working hard. I see it. I see video of it on Instagram. Constantly. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do you appreciate that by the way? Like he is, I gotta say he's doing a masterful job of, of giving people that aspect of it when it comes to social media, all these guys at this point in 2020, if they don't have someone conditioning them from behind the scenes 
to shape their brand, they don't have the smartest people or the people with the best, their best intentions at heart. And what he's doing might seem menial, but over time it's going to pay dividends. I think in just either giving him the benefit of the doubt or in the way people discuss him versus the way they might've discussed the last first round wide receiver that the Cowboys took. Bryant. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I thought about that a lot too. Because remember, Dez was slow out of the gate. Like, you know, he, he, it took him, I think, two or three years before he really became, you know, the dominant force that we expected him to be. Like, do you think expectations are appropriate for CD given new offense, shortened offseason, a lot of mouths to feed on offense? I don't. In fact, I think I think we might be underselling it a bit. Uh, 850 yards, I believe, is the Vegas over-under on the season. And You're taking the uh, over? And I am taking the over. In fact, what I'm more interested in is whether or not the Cowboys are going to have a trio of a thousand yard wide receivers if all three of them stay healthy now in any event if amari cooper or michael gallup gets injured for a significant stretch well then cd lamb will step into that role and perform extremely well and in all likelihood get a lot of looks and a lot of opportunities i'm not at all concerned about cd's opportunities this season and I think there'll be more than enough to reach what, you know, Vegas is putting up there. I don't think that's a conservative estimate of what his 2020 season will be, given his capability and the fact that a lot of people thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft, especially knowing how we've seen young wide receivers impact offenses in today's NFL. Well said. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, and there's a good chance you peruse bloggingtheboys.com. We would encourage you to do that. Um, of course, broadcast the boys, part of the blogging the boys podcast network. Danny Phantom uh, has a great piece out. Close game data reveals the Dallas Cowboys might be poised for something big in 2020. There's a lot here, but you can kind of start with the premise, Roy, of Teams that win a lot of close games one year tend to lose those close games the next year. It's one of those stats that sort of changes year, year over year. The Cowboys were 9-3 in 2018 in games decided by eight points or less. 9-3. They were 1-6 last year. So you already saw in 2018 they won a ton of close games. In fact, the only game that they won that wasn't close was the Jacksonville Jaguars game that they blew them out. But nine of their 10 wins in 2018 were by eight points or less. And then basically they blew everybody out. They beat last year and lost all the close games they played. Uh, They were one in six in close games. So that, and perhaps that alone, beyond the other pieces that Danny Phantom brings up, kind of indicates the Cowboys should bounce back this year, considering, again, teams tend to bounce back year over year in that category and win close games this season, Roy. Yeah, well, 
just for the Cowboys, you know, not necessarily speaking of league-wide, although you can go look at the league averages of how this plays out from season to season, and you'll find that teams' records in close games over the long haul tends to average out um, for whatever reason. That's the love and the parody of the NFL that they've established that makes it so great and makes us all want to watch it so often. But as you mentioned, the fact that all of their losses in 2019 came in the form of close losses as defined by this metric and all of their wins were so substantial that the average margin of victory in their eight wins was 20 points. That is a significant number. Their average margin of victory was 20 points in 2019. Their average margin of defeat was six. Those are great numbers from Danny at Danny Phantom 24 on Twitter. I encourage you to follow him on there as well as read his pieces because he does a lot of great work. But he kind of wraps it all up, at least for me, with the win percentage factor when it comes to the team's record in close games and how it relates to their record that year. Okay? And in only two seasons since 2010, have the Cowboys had a win percentage in close games of less than 25%? That's winning two out of eight games. Wow. You know, that's winning one out of four games. And that's only happened two times since 2010. Outside of that, seven times they've won at least 44% of their games. So I tell you, seven out of ten times, the minimum number of games, at least from a percentage standpoint, that they won in terms of close games was 44%. You give them that last season, and that's the difference of two wins, and that's the difference of eight and eight and ten and six. It's pretty impressive. It was a great article by Danny Phantom. I'm proud to be able to say he's a friend of ours and a a colleague. Well, and it goes to show you – you know how it's like the team in 2018 went to the division round of the playoffs. It probably wasn't as good as the team of 2019, but yet it, like the outcome of the season is so it's so vast. But yet these margins are so slim. You know, it's like last year was a failure. The season before was a success, not an ultimate success, but a success nonetheless. And yet, like it's that cut and dried, right? Like it's that rigid. And yet, like the margins that that create those outcomes are so slim. It's it's just crazy. Yeah, and by the way, Danny also points out it wasn't obviously just their inability to win close games. There were a number of factors that took place in those games as well, like, for example, every single loss except for one featured what? A missed field goal. Yeah, Danny points to special teams as being, like if if you were to, if I were to ask you, you know, why do you think, the Cowboys were eight and eight last year, despite, you know, being plus 100 in point differential and, you know, and going on and on, like, what would you attribute it to? And, and Danny in the top six and DVOA. Yeah. Danny attributes it to, and I called him Danny Phantom because that's what he's on Twitter, but it's Dan Rogers. Um, but so I apologize to Dan, but what a jerk, <laughs> such a jerk, but he, I mean, he attributes basically the special teams 
that, you know, just not, I mean, missed field goals. I mean, we don't have to document it. Special teams was, was maybe one it of the worst of all time. It wasn't just the missed field goals for them, though. Right. The field other position. starting field position versus opponent's starting field position was one of the worst differentials in the league. And their punting uh, was amongst the worst in net yeah. punting in 2019. So all of the numbers are there. They're not hiding. It's just whether or not you think special teams, or at least most people, don't give special teams the credence that it probably deserves when it comes to ultimately deciding the outcome of football games. We Mm. like to say better quarterback should win the game, and that's how we break it down every single week in every single matchup. But it is so much more than that, and special teams is one of the big parts of that. You know, the only other unit other than offense that can score without a turnover. So do you agree? Yes. You attribute the 8-8 eight and eight season last year, despite a lot of statistics that show that this team is better than 8-8. Eight and eight. Do you attribute yes. that to special teams? Well, not just solely special teams, but a number of different factors. Yes, and I would say with my hand on the Bible, that I believe the 2019 team was much better than what their overall record suggests. Just like I would say, as Danny's article alludes to, that the 2018 team was not as good as their record suggested Yeah, because they went 9-3 and three in close games and ultimately finished the season 10-6, and six, but were ranked 21st in DVOA. But what did that do? It took an inflated record. It inflated our perception. It then inflated what our expectations were. And now an eight and 18 that should have gone 10 and six and the year before probably should have been eight and eight, but went 10 and six is how we find ourselves in the predicament we're in today, which is that no one can seem to agree just how good the Cowboys are or aren't. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I also think coaching played such a significant role in their record last year. And, and that's not to say like coaching was bad, but I do subscribe to the belief that there was just obvious pressure is not the best way to put it. I but thought it, it was bad. I, mean, I thought yes. it was bad. It, it, coaching was bad, but I also think it was more than that. It was, it was, I think in many ways about, there was just a lot of tension, I think, in that locker room because the coaches knew that this was it. And, you know, I think it's been well documented. Some guys from that locker room kind of talking about that. And, yeah. and I wonder if the coaches really did, though. I mean, Jerry was still farting around pretending that Jason Garrett might still have a job uh, several weeks after the season ended. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if, if at any point in the regular season, I don't know if I would believe it if someone told me, Jason Garrett knew this was his final year with the Cowboys if he didn't get to the playoffs. I don't think he did. Maybe Garrett didn't, but I'd think the assisted coaches might. Yeah. Well, someone's got to take the fall, right? Right. They've well, and, seen and, that game a number of times under Jason Garrett. Right. I mean, the assisted coaches under Garrett were always taking the fall. I just think you know, when you play close games and you don't have – there's not a trust there, you lose. You lose close games. And – it's one of those things, it's like the stats bear it out, where if you win a lot of close games one year, you lose them the next year. 
So it's kind of both of them, right? Like it was, it was a regression to the mean, but it was also, I think, just, just not, there was just not a lot. There's a lot of tension in that locker room, I think, last year. Well, I will have a question for you then in regards to the 2020 Dallas Cowboys. Uh, maybe they'll have an advantage in closer games or at least a regression to the mean suggests they'll be better in closer games. Do you think they will have an advantage at home field this season when, as you wrote in our prep email earlier, you believe they will play all of their games outdoors? So, I mean, I'm surprised this hasn't been discussed more. But if we are to believe that they're going to play games this year in stadiums, aren't like doesn't it make more sense they'd have to play these games outdoors because it the virus is is more contained obviously indoors meaning they would basically make Jerry open up the roof and open up the doors for every game regardless of the elements just so that there was an outdoor piece to the games yeah do they need a special business license to be able to host people inside a building but not wearing a mask in right, some states. Right, right. All reasonable questions, I think, in what's going on in today's day and age. Um, but just imagine how crazy that'd be. Like, like imagine, imagine they play a game in Dallas, and there's, you know, we have snow, which would be awful and horrible and terrible. But like, they would never. I mean, yeah, that only happens if the Super Bowl comes to town. <laughs> But I don't think it's unlikely to think that if they expect to play games this year with fans, that like it's going to be hard to believe that they could play those games indoors. It is hard to believe, and yet, as we've said on this podcast, NFL owners wield an incredible amount of power, yeah. and you should never underestimate their influence yes. in the various cities that they exist in as to whether or not they will be allowed to do just that. Uh it's a, it's a good point, though. I would think maybe not only the Cowboys would be required to open the roof, but they might also be required to open the end zones. Right. And as we know, if they happen to play any afternoon games during that time, wonderful Mr. Sun comes into play, <laughs> into the game plan. How could they have ever known when they built the stadium – on the east-west axis, that they would have to deal with that at some point. Like, how could they? There's have no known? way to know, Ari. There's no way to know that ahead of time. <laughs> the best was was the curtain discussion. Like, they have a billion. Why was that a bad idea? Wait a second. Why was that a bad idea? Because they have a, they have a, a giant <laughs> bed sheet and put it up. It might look tacky. Okay, uh, you know, Gene is probably not going to like the aesthetics it's going to ruin the art okay it's going to make it look really really shoddy every husband has dealt with that discussion from but it will work okay i've used the bath towel in that scenario (laughs) surely the joneses have something more appropriate every husband of that has been in that same situation where their wife is like you can't do that it looks gross it's like well you have to do it there's too much light coming in you got to do something to to stop the light from coming in it's like you're not doing that the aesthetics are horrible it's a two billion dollar stadium what we're doing every day it's a two billion dollar stadium you're putting what you're putting a white bed sheet up over the sunlight yeah i mean i'm (laughs) thinking running running chicken wire between 
you know, or, or run just a little, run a string from one side to the other and then fold a sheet over top. They don't have any extra Picassos lying around. They could just hang those Picassos up there in front. You know, I mean, it's not like those will get damaged in the sunlight or anything. Uh, you know what? Jerry's going to sell it as a sponsorship and stack a bunch of Ford trucks on top of each other <laughs> one by one. That'll be one end of the end zone and the other end Miller light cans to the sky, you know, blocking you, out the sun. You just stumbled on a very important thing. And that is do not underestimate the ability of NFL owners to figure out ways to come up with revenue in the face of major revenue shortfalls this year. Like there, nothing is off the table when it comes to sponsorship opportunities during a season in which they might not have fans. And so they're losing the revenue from that. <laughs> They've already got things in the works. First like I, I would be surprised to have four have F one fifties in the field. Just put one one on each end zone. Make those the pylons. Just make four F one fifties the pylons. <laughs> <laughs> That's Roy White. Follow him on Twitter at rw three, and of course, make sure to check out his YouTube channel where he's doing great work. Um, just search rw three on YouTube. I am Ari Tapkin on Twitter at Ari Sports A R I Sports. You can also find my YouTube channel as well there. And of course, thank you to RJ Ochoa and all the great people at the Blogging of the Boys podcast network. Um, make sure to subscribe if you have not yet already. Give the podcast a rating and uh, check out everything that there is to offer uh, on the Blogging of the Boys podcast community, including the daily briefings in the morning with the Ocho, Girls Talking Boys with Kelsey, Charles, and McMurray, the 750 with Tony Casillas and RJ Ochoa, Talk of the Star with Connor Livesey, Dalton Miller, and Cole Patterson, and then broadcast the boys with us, Ari Tapkin and Roy White. But for now, Roy... Sayonara. Until we meet again, Ari. Later, suckers.